Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Good morning, if you all wouldn't mind joining me. There's probably somebody over there across the way that needs to hear this, so nice and loud. <laughs> I, observed, I, ha- I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Thank you, Rock. You guys may be seated. It's always interesting, you know, doing sermons for a group that really is transient, that almost changes every week. And if there wasn't for the local group that comes every week, I could just get away with preaching the same sermon all summer long. <laughs> but no, we're really thankful here at Loon Mountain Ministry. God's been doing a lot of things, and uh, we're just trying to keep up with them. That's why we're so thankful for the summertime support. Your guys' financial and prayer support is incredible. Um, our, we have a local church here that now gathers. Uh, there were 16 that gathered in our coffee shop this morning to pray for this church service and to study God's word. Um, we have this church service here. We're doing the church services down at Waterville Valley, planting a church down there. It's just so, so exciting. So, you know, a couple years ago, we looked around our staff and said, wow, we're young. We're not a normal, you know, s- church staff. I think when we took the poll, our average age was 30 in our staff. And I think in a rural church in New England, you'd be hard-pressed to find another place that had the average staff at the age of 30. So we said, man, we got a lot of life. We got a lot of ideas. We lack some wisdom. We need some wisdom. And so we open God's word to the books of wisdom. There's three of them. There's Job, there's Proverbs, and there's Ecclesiastes. And I don't know about you, but when I don't want to do something, I like getting what I don't like to do out of the way first. And when I read those three books, I was like, ooh, Job is not a lot of fun. It's kind of a downer of a book. So we did that one first, and we found out that Job was like that wise old grandfather that's been there, done that, bought the T-shirt, walked to school, uphill, both ways, snowed nine months of the year, right? And we found that life was hard, but we found that God was God and we are not, And that can either make you super angry at God or put your full weight and hope and trust in God. That nothing on this earth happens without the approval of our Heavenly Father. Everything comes across His desk. And that can either make you say, you know what, God, I don't like you. Or, wow, God, I can't believe you're so so in awe of you and wonderful and I'm going to put my faith in you. So that was the book of Job. 
Then we moved over here now to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we likened that to that cynical uncle that never got married and is kind of mad about it, you know? He's like in his late 50s, and he's got like two doctorates and has studied the whole, everything to be studied, and he's traveled the globe, and he smokes a pipe in that, 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 that room down at the end of the hallway with all the books and the wingback chair. You know that uncle, right? And, and, and that uncle is kind of, he's like, he, 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 you're curious about him, but you're also kind of nervous, and you're also kind of wigged out by him because he's kind of weird. You know, he usually comes out with his hair all disheveled. But when he speaks, you're like, wow, this guy knows a lot. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is like that crazy uncle that smokes that pipe. And right now, he's blowing smoke onto everything that you believe. Ecclesiastes is there to just totally question everything you believe. And we need that. We need that. And so we walk into our uncle's room, and he takes a drag off his pipe, and he blows. And what's interesting, he blows smoke over everything we believe. And what's co- so cool about it is the book of Ecclesiastes says this word that was in your bulletin this morning over and over again, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And the actual translation of that is hevel. And the actual word hevel means smoke or mist, meaning it's a chasing after the wind or the grabbing at smoke. So that, to me, rem- really reminds me of that cynical uncle who just goes, Oh, so you believe that, huh? If God so loved the world, why are people starving? You know, and that, that's cynical. So he's, he's going at all kinds of stuff. But he's got some incredible wisdom in there. And today we're going to look at some incredible wisdom that our cynical uncle is going to share. So there is storytelling I love. I'm a storyteller. And there are some characters from story that has stood the test of time. Characters that hit so home that those characters, they have, they have a life in there of self. So let's, let's think about some stories with some very famous characters that have lived on forever. One that I thought of, Charlie Brown. Right? Charlie Brown will always be Charlie Brown. What a character. He's just a fictitious character in a story. But boy, he has lived... Throw out some other characters that you're like, oh, that's a character that will live on forever. Mickey Mouse. Thank you. That's probably one of the most famous ones, right? Mickey Mouse, character that's fictitious that will live on forever. Any Did you look at my notes? Did you hear what she said? Ebenezer Scrooge. That's what I'm preaching on today. Ebenezer Scrooge, you did it. Good job. That's a character that will live on forever. Actually, even mentioned in other stories. Anyone watch the Polar Express? I love the Polar Express. Come on, the Trinity is so loud in that movie, right? God the Father sends God the Son, who has a ghost guide to help keep the kid on the train. Come on! The Trinity is right there in your face. It's so beautiful. But do you remember what the Holy Ghost or the ghost on the train said to that kid? Oh, don't be a Scrooge. You're an Ebenezer. You don't believe. Remember that when they're on the top and they had the hobo and he had the little fire and the little, I love that part. Anyway, Ebenezer Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge is a character that saved an author. In the late 1800s, Charles Dickens was a very famous author in England. So famous that he had written books that had sold many, many, many copies, and he became filthy rich. And when he was filthy rich, he 
blew his money on elaborate houses and elaborate food, and he, and he funded all of his family, you know, distant relatives and mom and dad, and he just, and then all of a sudden, what happened? Oh, my goodness, I've overspent. I don't have food. I need to write a book. I need to write a book. And he needed to write a book, and it wasn't coming, and it wasn't coming, and everyone was making fun of him, and other authors in London were poo-pooing him because he was coming out with these other books that he would write up really quick, and they'd be like, this is junk, you know, and then they'd make fun of him. And then came Ebenezer Scrooge. And if you've ever watched the movie The Man Who Invented Christmas, it's an incredible movie, and it shows Charles Dickens walking in his study trying to come up with his character because Charles Dickens would say that he gets the character and then from the character the whole story unfolds. And he was walking and walking. He was like, ugh, scrumpet, and he couldn't come up with it and then all of a sudden what's so cool about the movie is the character actually comes and visits him in his office and then there stood Ebenezer Scrooge and he turns and goes Scrooge Scrooge and Scrooge the character saved Charles Dickens because he wrote The Christmas Carol in a record-breaking time. I forget what the time was, but it's a huge novel, and he wrote it, and it just started to come to him because he had found Ebenezer Scrooge. But what makes these characters that stand the test of time, what makes them so famous? They're relatable. Come on, who can't relate with Charlie Brown? Especially when Lucy pulls the football up and he goes to kick and falls on his back. Right? We've all had a middle school girlfriend like that. Um, <laughs> right? These are relatable. And we don't mind relating with Charlie Brown. It's kind of cute. It's a chuckle. But would you be honest with yourself that you and I both relate with Ebenezer Scrooge? The grinding, twisting, Wretched, cheap. Remember Charles Dickens? Scrooge loved darkness, for it was cheap. Remember that? And he blew out the candles. And then the Marley brothers show up. Right? But why do we, why has Scrooge stood the test of time? Because we all relate. We all relate. And see, this is the difference between a biblical worldview and a worldly worldview. The Bible is very clear that the human heart, the center of emotions, the center of decision, the center is selfish and wicked and in need of salvation. And the world says, ah, no, no, no. No, no, you know, we are pretty good by nature. And you know what? It's nurture over time that creates the problem. But you know, we're all pretty good down deep. Really? Have you owned a two-year-old? Have you had a roommate in college? Do you have a spouse? <laughs> How's their nature? Selfish, we look out for moi, for me. And when we do so, it costs us dearly. 
just like it cost Ebenezer Scrooge. It cost him. He was a grumpy, frumpy, ugh, just a man you didn't want to be around. Good thing for Bob Cratchit. Nice guys like Bob Cratchit and Tiny Tim. But we relate to Ebenezer Scrooge and the Kohelet. That's the, the Kohelet is the, the Hebrew word for the teacher. And Ecclesiastes, there's two characters in Ecclesiastes. There's the author who literally has like three lines at the beginning of the book and about four lines at the end of the book. But then the rest of the book, he's quoting the Kohelet or the teacher. Kohelet actually means one who gathers. I'm a Kohelet. I love to gather people, right? Not always great stuff that I give them, but Jesus obviously was the ultimate perfect Kohelet, gathered people and taught them the way, the truth, and the life. But the teacher now speaks into a subject that is meaningless, and he says that it is meaningless to live for you, to hoard lots of wealth, to work your whole life, to what? to die and be buried in a grave. And that's where Ebenezer finds himself on the third ghost. Remember the ghost of Christmas future that never says anything but just points and has that hollow face? Pretty creepy, right? And remember he just kept pointing, kept pointing until what? He pointed to what? He pointed to a gravestone where he wiped off the snow, cold, cheap snow. And what did the gravestone say Ebenezer Scrooge and he was faced with the reality of his mortality that he was mortal and that no matter how cheap he was in life no matter how much money he saved and how much money he cheated people out of he was going to die and couldn't take any of it with him and the Marleys were very clear at telling them with their chains what they forged in life. Deep, deep stuff, huh? But Charles Dickens could relate to Scrooge. He knew business people in London that were Scrooge. And he knew that the human heart can relate to Scrooge. Because you might say, well, I don't amass wealth for myself. I don't blow out candles and like darkness. No, but there are things in your life that you put on such a high pedestal that nothing else can come in the way. When you are cranky, do a test. Because when you are cranky, whatever it is that's not happening is what you put at the top. So is it your sleep? Is it your alone time? Is it your playtime? Is it your work? Right? Is it your food? Is it your security or your comfort? Is it your, it, is it your health? What is it that you put at the top of your selfishness, your narcissism? Every single one of us is a narcissist when it comes to something that we're willing to, to, to lose friendship over. Let me say that again. If you are willing to lose friendship over something, you are an Ebenezer Scrooge. Friendship is a key to a healthy life 
And the Bible is very clear on that. And friendship is not cheap. Friendship is very expensive. For good friendship requires a choice and a commitment. And if we're honest, we tend to befriend those who do stuff for us. Either they're a good listener, or they're a good good giver, or they give great back rubs, or they have hookups so they can go to, you know, shows, concerts, or get you into good places to eat, or maybe they always pay for you to eat. But a true friendship is one that you choose to commit to. That you forgive as you have been forgiven. Friendship is not cheap. But what we find is that we take care of things that are valuable to us. Friendship should never be cheap. If a friendship is just something that someone's doing for you, that is a poor friendship. And it's not valuable. And you won't treat it that way. Good friendship is when you have skin in the game. And your friend has skin in the game. And we ultimately learn this from God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. Remember I talked about the Trinity in the the, uh, Polar Express? We find out from Genesis chapter 1 that you and I, the human race, the humankind, that we are relational beings just like our God. Because it's in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26, it starts out like this. God says, let us, hear that? Plural. He's not talking to himself. Let us make humankind in our, plural again, own image. God is relational and he designed the humankind to be relational and if you are valuing your alone time or your or your finances or your health or your play or your work or your security if you are valuing that over relationships you are an Ebenezer Scrooge and you need to be visited by three ghosts (laughs) wouldn't that be crazy But if you open your eyes, I know that you've been visited by three ghosts. That's the beautiful thing about our Heavenly Father. C.S. Lewis calls him the great hound of heaven. He doesn't let us out of his sights. He won't let us get away with it. I always often wonder when things are going really wrong with me, what do I need to learn? What am I missing? My mom would tell you, I don't hear very well. God needs to use a two-by-four when talking to me. I wish he wouldn't have to. If I listened a little better, it might not hurt as much. But this is what the Bible has to say about friendship. Very beautiful. What I love about the Bible is that it is spot on. And remember we talked about how valuable friendship is? It's not cheap. You'll hear the great weight of, of the cost of friendship in these verses. It's interesting. All three come out of the other books of wisdom. Job, Job, and Proverbs. Job chapter 6, verse 14 says, 
anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Anyone who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of an Almighty. You know what another way of saying that is? You're a fool. Because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, is what the Bible says. You forsake kindness to your friend, you're a fool. You're an Ebenezer fool. Job chapter 42, verse 10. Woo, this one was a doozy when I had to preach through this. It says this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had had before. Imagine getting that in a fortune cookie. Open it up. Man, those are great crab ragoons. After Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortune and gave him twice as much as he had before. If you didn't know the story, you'd scratch your head. Job's friends not only abandoned him, but worse, they sat there and judged him and pointed their fingers down his throat. I would have loved to have been like, see, I was right the whole time, boys. But no, God says, Job, go pray for your friends. Woohoo! Forgiveness is costly, but boy, is it valuable. Anything expensive is really nice. Not always, but sometimes. Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever would foster, any foster parents in the audience? Any? I've got a few friends that are foster parents, and it's beautiful, extremely hard. This word is here for a reason. Anyone who would foster love, that's difficult. That's expensive. Anyone that would foster love covers over an offense. But whoever repeats a matter, that's easy to repeat a matter. Done it many times. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Insanity. But whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. Proverbs 17, 9. And I'll end with this. This is not from the Bible, but this is from a brilliant author from Germany named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Absolute brilliant, brilliant writer. So much so that when I read his stuff, I can only read it about four sentences at a time that I need to put it down and watch a cartoon or something because my head hurts. This is what he says. This is crazy because this speaks to both sides because there's a lot of you out there that's like, oh, I... I love friendship. I am totally an extrovert. I love it, right? This speaks to both of you, me and the introvert. It says this. Let him who cannot be alone be aware of community. Let him, in, let him who is not in community be aware of being alone. Remember I told you Dietrich Bonhoeffer is deep. Let me back up. Let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Whoo, here is where it gets sharp. This is where it gets pointed. Each by itself has profound perils and pitfalls. So that's being alone and being in community. Both of them have perils by themselves, have perils, pitfalls. One, this is talking to me. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. Woo! Now listen to this, Scrooge. This next one's right at Scrooge. And the one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-inflation, and despair. 
I can't think of a better definition than Scrooge. The abyss of vanity, self-inflation, and despair. The wise one teaches us friendship is costly. Spend the spend the time. Spend the forgiveness. Spend the ear. Spend the money. Spend it on friendship for it is worth it. God, we love you. We thank you that you made us relational. We thank you, Lord, that you are relational. God, we thank you that you spared no expense on the cross to be in relationship with us. We thank you, God, that your nature is not Ebenezer Scrooge, but that you are a kind, compassionate, slow to anger. God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, those of us that have believed in you and confessed with our mouth and believed in our heart, give us the power by the Holy Spirit to value friendship and to ask for forgiveness and to give forgiveness. God, those that don't know you, may the, may the avenue of friendship, may the platform of friendship be a space where they realize they need to put their faith in you because without the power of the Holy Spirit, a true friendship is, un, is, is, not, is, not, is, is not available. It's, it's, not, it's unattainable. Thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit and giving us that ability. Thank you for Loon Mountain Ministry, all that you have done to bless us here. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.